This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Today on CityCast Philly, we're listening back to a conversation I had in April with Philly-born and award-winning poet Major Jackson. We talk about the rhyme and the reason of why we all need poetry in our lives. It's Wednesday, December 27th. I'm Trinina Ree, and here's what Philly's talking about. Major Jackson, you live in Nashville, right? But you were born and raised in Philly. Yes, I was. And it's still dear to my heart, no matter where I am in the world. <laughs> oh, I love that. You're also a poet. You've written six poetry books. You're a professor. See, you see all the P words I'm coming up with? You're a podcast <laughs> host. You're a podcast host of the show, The Slowdown. So I'll slow down here. <laughs> a Slowdown, which is a show that takes a moment each day to reflect on one poem. How do you make time for poetry every day? Mm. You know, I think so many people um, really have made reading poetry a part of their life and may not be daily. And what we found is that people like to read poems either in the morning to start their day or at the end to get some sort of perspective. Personally, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think it's scary to be in our heads. And For if sure. you're like me, you know, your mind is kind of scattered. Then reading a poem becomes an ordered way to approach the world and approach topics that feel either too large or 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 daunting. Right. I was going to say that, you know, Life be life in. <laughs> and most, you know, I'm I'm like really in this like fast paced uh motion mm-hmm. most days. So for mm-hmm. someone like me, like how how should I approach poetry? Mm-hmm. A poem is language organized artfully, um, through the power of music or sound, melded with imagery and metaphor, and because all of that kind of what we call craft work, the poem works its magic to offer up wisdoms and truths that may not be available except through this imaginative approach to language. So I would say first as a reader, rather than as a writer, I think as a as a reader, start with your local library or bookstore, independent bookstore. Go to the poetry section during... National Poetry Month, and pick out a few books and read the very first poem. Now, I want to say, buy it. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you could just stand there and read, read the first poem. I normally like to say the first poem or the last poem because, you know, whoever wrote that book put a lot of thought into how you enter into a book or exit a book. So mm-hmm. I think that's a great way. Major, you've got a special and beautiful connection to Philly. You have a start 
way back when there was a thing called the city paper mm. and you were a hip hop columnist mm-hmm. and you say that, you know, that really shaped you as a writer and also as a poet, you got to write about and hang out with, you know, this group called the roots. <laughs> what, what? <laughs> what stood out to me once you mentioned about how you spent a lot of time with them during mm. one of their earlier albums, Do You Want More? Mm-hmm. And I actually, you know, I had never heard of that album before. And so I was listening to it last night and <laughs> just reflecting on it. How, you know, you talked about imagery with poetry, but how does like sound and lyrics and also culture, right? The culture of hip hop. Yeah, that's right. How did you take all of that and transition into writing and then poetry? Trinette, that's a great, great question. One that I think about all the time because I feel like I got lucky in several moments in my life. And to be in Philadelphia during that time when there was such a vibrant and rich efflorescence of art in I'm talking music, I'm talking visual arts, painters, photography, dancers. I just wanted to be a witness. And so when the editors at City Paper knew about my work at the Painted Bright Arts Center, where I curated spoken word events, um, including pairing up the roots, or at least back then they were the square roots, okay. with a Mary Baraka, right? So, um, and let's let let's give our audience like a a time reference. This is what, yeah, like, this is like, this is the early nineties. Early nineties. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. this would have been about ninety two, ninety three, and I wanted to again just bear witness to so much of what I saw happening in galleries and streets and the clubs. But writing about music naturally moved me into also writing about literature. So I reviewed albums for the city paper, but I also did books. Mm -hmm. And that led me to writing for the Philadelphia Inquirer. They picked up on some of my bylines. and, And how did that, how did that transition to poetry? I think I missed my I missed my day job at the Painted Bride and all the writing that I was doing for these publications. Here we go again. I needed that necessary pause, and writing writing a poem gave me that. So poetry at first was like adjacent to my very kind of busy life, and then it became central through uh, connections with local poets, I wanted to like share my work. So I sought out open mics, uh, went to coffee shop readings, hung out at a bookstore that's been closed since 2012 now, Robin's Bookstore. I just kind of fell into it and I loved it. You mentioned the Painted Bride. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a open mic uh, series on Thursday nights at Dowling's Place or mm. Dowling's Palace on North Broad Street. Do you mm. do you remember that? It's called Just yeah. Words. Oh, that I do remember. Just Words. Yeah, I don't so, remember the location, but yeah. 
Yeah, like back in 09, you would have seen me <laughs> or you would have heard one of my poems because I would drag my friends, uh, you know, late night. And I'm like, all right, y'all, y'all going to see me do this like open mic. And, uh... you know, I was always scared, but but not by because of, you know, performing in front of people. I got mm-hmm. scared because I used to think like, are people going to understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Are they going to mm-hmm. understand that message? Mm-hmm. Does that ever come to mind with some of your poetry? First of all, I'm so happy to hear that you write poetry. That's fantastic. Well, not anymore, <laughs> Major. That was that was when I was young. <laughs> one of the things we don't say about one of the benefits, or at least one of the kind of ostensible benefits of writing poems is that, A, you get closer to who you are and how you feel as a result of writing, right? And not only that, but people have an opportunity to kind of hear your take on the world in this in this art form through your personal expression. One of the other things that happens, I think, is your confidence grows, right? The more you share with family, with friends, at open mics, something inside of you becomes, you know, you 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 raise up a little bit more, you know, you stand in your, in your truths and your wisdoms. And so, yes, I do worry that maybe the overall experience that I'm trying to capture in a poem is not kind of translated into somebody's mind or, but I will say this, there's always something for them to enjoy and appreciate and experience. Philly is definitely different, right? <laughs> We're mm. in 2023. Yeah. We're not yeah. in that, you know, uh, I guess how to the classify heyday. maybe. Yeah, like that <laughs> neo soul era, you know? So let me ask you this Do you love Philly? Do you still love Philly? Mm. I do. And. I will be there soon because I still have relatives there. And I always, always am moved by not just what's stable about my experience there, but also to see the transition and its evolution. Sometimes it's painful. Like there was a, there was at the top of Germantown, there was this pastry shop that is no longer there. And I'm really upset about that. And my wife was like, saw me visibly shaking, like, whoa, you know, this I used to go there all the time. It's no longer there. Um, I think it was the, the pandemic that, that closed it. But yeah, you're right. It's a different, it's a different city. But I and and funny enough, one of my episodes of The Slowdown talks about how our relationship to places change and sometimes is coerced. You know, you just want to you want to keep it kind of framed in time how you experience, but out of necessity, time has a way of changing it, and we have to adapt and evolve, and that can that can be a wonderful challenge as well. But to answer your question directly, yes, I still love Philly, even though it's not the Philly I grew up with. What used to be your favorite places to read poetry, to share poetry? Uh, mm. You mentioned a coffee house, uh, Peanut mm-hmm. Bride. Where else? Mm-hmm. 
Let's see. There was, uh, I did some events at uh, Silk City. Okay. There was a community uh, center up on Germantown Avenue that also used to, oh my God, me and my homie would do the mod. We had our chat book opening at a place that's closed now, Zanzibar Blue. And that was oh, a very classic. memorable <laughs> kind of moment for us. I've heard my friend uh, Ursula Rucker say it was at that moment that she too realized that she wanted to kind of record and, and write and publish. And for those who don't know, Zanzibar Blue was like <laughs> Come on. a jazz spot. You, do you remember WJJZ? Oh, 106.1. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just went to South um, not too long ago. Mm. It was my first time. It's like this new restaurant, um, beautiful Black mm. people mm-hmm. <laughs> vibing mm-hmm. to to music and eating good food, mm. um, and I overheard uh, one of the patrons say, "Yeah, this reminds me a little bit of Zanzibar Blue," and we kind of miss that. Um, mm. We miss warm daddies. We miss mm. relish. Yes. So it's kind of like, yeah, Philly's definitely changing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it is. You know, there's. There's population growth and changes, right? And I think every city experiences that. The art connects us, though. Like, I I remember the the poets who, in a way, mentored me would talk about places on South Street where they used to kind of read and perform Grindel's Lair, for example, and get, you know, deeply nostalgic about it, you know? But... They were part of these communities in which they kept alive the memory of the city during moments in which, you know, the art doesn't exist in a vacuum. You know, there's always kind of these social political contexts that animates the work, animates the art. And as that changes, so does the art and so do the venues and so do now, today, even the methods by which we experience the art, you know, Zoom readings, um, YouTube videos. Funny enough, that's how I stay connected to Philly. Have you ever wrote a poem about our great city? I have. I've, you know, I was thinking in anticipation of this conversation with Renee. <laughs> <laughs> I went through my six books and some of them are, you know, kind of radio podcast friendly. And so I have a poem. There's a a sculpture in Rittenhouse Square called Duck Girl. And it was created in the early 1900s. It's been there a long time. And I just, I got a commission to kind of write a poem about a season. So I chose to write a dramatic monologue or write in the voice of this sculpture. Young girl holding a holding a duck and she's talking about spring. This was commissioned by the Philadelphia Chamber Society who wanted to create their own version of Vivaldi's Four Seasons and create a Philadelphia Four Seasons. Okay. <laughs> so duck girl on the occasion of spring. 
Everything in motion is about me. Azaleas and daffodils lunge swollen heads skyward, each like a child peeping in a window. The balustrades promise of color like a lover's. In great numbers, old men sigh. Sharp blades of sunlight sparkle at Barclay, Savoy, and Liberty. Only hours ago, Walnut Street was a canvas of footprints. Men spoke and watched their thoughts erupt in smoke. I am as still as a mountain. I evoke a dance. Come closer. It appears as if I will swing this leg forward, twirl my bronze toes. A wind rushes my thighs and sways the folds in my sheeton. I hear the breathing of children tumbling in fresh grass. I wonder, do I live or am I dead posed on this fish and swag base of limestone? Where's my Pygmalion, my lover's eye is streaming in rain. I want to sprawl beneath the bough of a black locust, buy time on one of the rows and rows of settees, rollerblade around the square's perimeter, or like the Philadelphia lawyer, taking a break from being a Philadelphia lawyer, pace the park till my pager calls me back to breeze. That's the nature of my fate. Except for those years in the car barn among the rakes, plows, I've been mired in this business of beauty. How boring. Not as much as the lion crushing a serpent. This spring, like every spring, my wish an hour's worth of human breath. I would let fly this fowl and step a queen's gracefulness or just once let my hair down, and dance with the derelict who grasps my stiff arm and does the twist. Spring, adore me with your green. Let foxgloves burst and daylilies bloom as I waltz silently in the glare of your moon. Poem about a sculpture in Center City. Beautiful. That's Major Jackson, host of the Slow Down Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me and for being on CityCast Philly. Thank you, Trine. Such a pleasure to be here with you. We'll have a link to the Slow Down podcast in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you enjoyed this episode about poetry, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. Be sure to sign up for our morning newsletter, Hey Philly, to learn more about what else Philly's talking about. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.